All right. Good morning and happy Mother's Day. Uh, welcome to the Story Houston Online. My name is Kale. I am the Timbergrove Campus Director here. I just want to thank you for joining us from wherever you are. I am so glad that you're with us this morning. I am really excited to have this conversation with you this morning. A little over two years ago, it was March 23rd, 2018. I still remember the day my life changed forever. I remember it, it was a Friday night and my wife and I, we were going on a date. We were going to my, my wife's favorite restaurant and my wife comes downstairs in this stunning blue dress, just looking amazing. And she tells me some of the best news that I've ever had in my life. She tells me that she's pregnant and that we are becoming parents. I remember I was, I was thankful. I was surprised. I was shocked. I was anxious. I was nervous. I, I paced around my house for about 15 minutes and I'm just thanking God. And I'm trying to wrap my mind around the shift from us becoming just a husband and a wife to now becoming a mom and a dad. And then six weeks later, it was Kim's first Mother's Day. And, and I get so excited. I, I go all out. I plan this extravagant dinner. I, I buy her this beautiful necklace with the birthstone of our future child. And I just remember, I'm so thankful to just share with her how appreciative I am that she went through a, a pretty tough first trimester, but also just letting her know how awesome of a mom I know she is going to be. And then six weeks later, Father's Day, right? So I, I start getting excited about Father's Day. I start getting excited about what sweet thing my wife is going to get me for Father's Day because that's how it works, right? I, I get up early that Sunday. We go to church. We come home. We have lunch and we make a sandwich. There's nothing wrong with making a sandwich. So then I start getting excited for dinner. And then for dinner, we make a frozen pizza. And that's okay. So I start thinking, oh, okay, maybe dessert. Yeah, yeah, maybe dessert. Maybe that's where this is, is going. So I start getting excited about that. But then the night progresses on and it becomes pretty clear I'm not going to get a gift. So I do what any man would do in this situation. And I start dropping these not so subtle hints. I start saying, hey, so I'm ready for my Father's Day gift. I'm ready for my present. And I remember my wife. She looks right at me, lovingly looking at me. And she says, why would I get you a Father's Day gift? You're not even a dad yet. And I was shocked. I was speechless. I didn't know what to say. Maybe for the first time, in my life. Now, I'm a pastor, so I cling to Jesus and not to grudges, but you better believe that she hears about that every single Mother's and Father's Day. And then I was reminded a couple weeks ago about how much better of a mom my wife is than I am a dad. A couple weeks ago, I was watching my daughter um, by myself. I was a uh, 
I was watching her. I was, I was being the good dad that I am. I, I was guarding. I was protecting her. Um, our daughter does this thing where she goes up the slide in our living room, and then she comes right down it, and it's the cutest thing that you've ever seen. So I was being the good dad that I am. I start taking a video, and here's what happened. Uh, I think we have the clip. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, she's fine. I promise she's fine. But now you're probably understanding why I didn't get that first Father's Day gift. Um, Mom, I promise she's fine. Don't call me. She's okay. Um, And then I start thinking about my own mom. I start thinking about how much of an influence my mom has been on my life. My mom's the type of mom that she wouldn't buy herself anything for a year so that my sister and I could have new back-to-school clothes. She's the type of mom that before I went outside and played with my friends, she would make me memorize that daily Bible verse. She's the type of mom that before I left the house, she would make me tell her what I was thankful for that day. That's just who my mom is. My mom was a first grade teacher for a long time. So what she would do is she would drive us to school every single day. So every day she'd drive my sister and I to school. And before we got out of the car, before we went into school, what she would do is she'd pray over us. So she would would grab my arm and she would pray this prayer every day. She'd say, may God's angels watch over you and protect you in every way. Now, when you're a kid, it's pretty sweet, right? It's it's pretty awesome. My mom's praying over me before I go to school. But when you get older, when when I got into middle school, into high school, into college, it becomes a pretty tough look, right? Um, She did this every single time I left her presence. Every time, whether that was going to school, whether that was a football game, a basketball game, my first date, prom night, dropping me off at college three months ago. You know, any time I left her presence, it was a tough look. So I got really good at, at dodging her. I, I got really good at, at trying to get away from her before she grabbed my arm. But my mom, she would get this look the mom look. You know, you guys know what I'm talking about. She'd get this ferocious, fierce look and and she'd grab my arm and she said, you're going to get this blessing, right? And then she'd pray over me. She'd say, may God's angels watch over you and protect you in every way. And that leads us into the questions that we are asking today. So we are wrapping up this sermon series that we're calling After. We're wrapping up this series that we've been talking about the afterlife. And there's three questions that we're going to be asking this morning. The first question is what or who are the angels? And the second question is why did God create angels? And the third is why should we care? Did you know that angels are mentioned 273 times in the Bible? 273 times. That's 108 times in the Old Testament, 
and then 165 times in the new. That is a lot of time. So we don't have a lack of information regarding angels, but what do we actually know about them? First is, is we know that angels are created messengers for God. Angel literally means one who is sent or messengers. Pastor Eric talked last week about this parable of, of Lazarus and the rich man. But did you catch that when Lazarus died, God sent him angels to escort him into God's presence? Every time we hear about angels in the Bible, God is sending them for a very specific mission. They are spiritual beings that operate undercover most of the time, but they also appear to humans as well. The author of Hebrews says this, says, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. I don't want to freak you out right now, but you have definitely been in the presence of angels without knowing it. I know, I know. Okay, moving on. Second is angels are countless fellow servants of God. The book of Daniel says that angels are countless. They are without number. They are standing before God, worshiping him. But it's also very clear that angels are our fellow servants. That while they're spiritual beings, they are our fellow servants. In, in the last chapter of the last book of the Bible, it's Revelation 22, John has this vision of the kingdom of God. He, he has this vision of heaven. He was revealed everything to him. He was shown every good thing. And here's what he says. He says, and when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your fellow prophets and with all who keep the words of this scroll. Worship God. Angels give us a glimpse of what it's like to worship God in heaven. And that only God is worthy of our worship and that one day we'll be worshiping with them in eternity. Third, is that angels are fierce warriors for God. Every time an angel appears in the Bible, they say, do not be afraid. They are fearsome. You've probably heard of the term heavenly hosts, right? But did you know that that's actually a military term used for God sending an army of angels? They're always described in military terms. They're, they're highly organized. They even have ranks. They are fearsome creatures. They're intimidating creatures that God has created to win a war. And I was reminded of that this week when I saw the blue angels fly over Houston. D did any of y'all catch that? If you missed it, um, we have a clip of the Blue Angels flying over Houston. 
it's pretty incredible, right? But here's another clip. And this is gonna be the cockpit view of one of the pilots. Look at this view. That's pretty incredible, right? And just as real as this view is, just as real as the blue angels were watching over Houston, God's angels are watching over every city and every nation in the entire world. It's mind blowing. But just as important, just as important as knowing what and who angels are, we must know what and who they are not. And this first one is, it's, it's pretty tough, um, but angels are not precious moments. Oh, I'm sorry, angels are not precious moments. They're not those porcelain dolls that your grandma has all over her house. But if you're looking for a last minute Mother's Day gift, Google precious moments and thank me later. Um, I got you, I promise, you're good. All right, second is angels are not all good. The Bible talks about fallen angels who saw all that is good, saw all that God created, and instead of worshiping God, they worshiped themselves. Instead of giving God glory, they wanted glory for themselves. Satan was a fallen angel who fell like lightning from the sky because of his pride. He wanted to be equal with God. And then a third of the angels, they joined him and they took everything that God deemed good. They took every single thing that God deemed good and they took them for themselves. Instead of outwardly praising the one who is worthy of praise, they turned inward and they started worshiping themselves. And third, is angels are not human beings who have died. And this one is, uh, this one's pretty hard to grasp. Angels aren't people who have died. They are spiritual beings created by God. You don't become an angel when you die. Our loved ones don't become angels when they die. I shared a couple months ago at one of our Timber Grove services and, and also at our Easter sunrise service that 10 weeks ago, my wife had a miscarriage. And, and I talked and I shared about how tough this season has been for us and, and really that we're, we're still going through it. And this is the first Mother's Day that we've had without our baby. Um, I don't know what kind of loss that you've experienced during this season, this year. I don't know if this is the first Mother's Day that you've had without your mom. I don't know if this is the first Mother's Day that you've had without your grandma or without a loved one who was a motherly figure to you. I don't know if this is your first Mother's Day without your baby. And, and even though, even though they're not angels watching over us, they are in the presence of angels, in the presence of our almighty God, worshiping him day and night. 
that there is nothing better than knowing that they are in the presence of God, gazing at the beauty of the Lord, eyes fixed on him in the presence of angels. And by God's grace, we'll be with them. We will be together with them one day. So why did God create angels? And that's a really good question. Um, and I don't know how to answer it. <laughs> um, I, I don't, but, but I think it's twofold. I think angels are sent to minister and to serve us, but that somehow we are ministering to angels. Pastor Eric caught up with John Burke this week, and John is the author of Imagine Heaven. Um, here's a clip of Eric and John as they're talking about why God created angels. It's about a two-minute clip. And he created and eternal he created creatures called angels, um, which have a free will as well. And they have the ability to choose to follow God and love God and serve God or not. And they, a third of them made an eternal choice. Mm. Now, personally, and this is where it's John, okay, um, hell was not created for people. Okay, that, that part's actually Jesus. <laughs> That's actually the Bible. Hell was created for the angels. God's will is that no human should perish. Mm. None. That's not, it says that. Um, but we are eternal. We are created to eternally love God. So God starts us in the knowledge of good and evil where he remains somewhat removed, right? But not completely. And he gives us the freedom to choose like the fallen angels. And we can choose, but we have a second chance and a third chance. If it's an eternal choice, it's eternal. Right, right. And so here's the wild part about my theory, if it's right, is that God also assigns angels who are still innocent. The two-thirds of the angels are still innocent. So they don't fully understand because they haven't chosen like the eternal angels, but they are watching us. They are guarding and ministering to us, and they are, I believe, actually learning from us why to never, ever choose against God's will because they are seeing the results as we're living them out. And they're seeing how love, the love of God, overcomes that evil, overcomes all suffering. Wow. Um, that's pretty mind-blowing stuff to me. That we are ministering to angels because we have experienced sin and redemption. Peter says this, he says that even angels long to look into these things. The thing that angels long to look into is salvation. It's the saving work of Jesus Christ on the cross for our sins so that we can be in right relationship with him. It means that they want to look into salvation because they are outsiders. Since they have never sinned, they don't understand the drama of sin 
They don't understand the drama of redemption, the sweetness of forgiveness like we can. And they long to watch the great work of God, of God's grace unfolding throughout the history of the world. But Peter's point is this, that if angels long, if angels get excited about our salvation, how much more should we? If angels love to look at the saving work of God and saving sinners like me, how much more should we love them to look to the amazing grace of God? How much more should we be thankful for God's grace in our lives? Angels are also learning from us because they have seen us live out contrary to God's will. And most importantly is that they are seeing how God overcomes sin, how God overcomes pain and suffering to ultimately redeem us into freedom and ultimately give us his love and be in relationship with him. So not only are angels learning, not only are they receiving ministry from us, but the author of Hebrews says that angels are sent as ministering spirits to serve us. Now, I set out this week to debunk that myth, to debunk the myth of guardian angels. That was what I thought this sermon was gonna be about. And then I started to read up on angels. And, and then I started to hear about people's experiences that they have had with angels. And then I heard Jesus say this. This is Jesus. He says, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my father in heaven. What? Jesus says that angels are looking over us, that they are protecting us, and that maybe even we have angels that are assigned to us. And then I start thinking, how many times have we been protected without knowing it? How many times have you had a virus and your body has fought it off without ever knowing it? God and the angels, they're doing like a billion different things and we're aware of like three of them. It is overwhelming to think about how many times we have been guarded over or, or protected from things without ever knowing it. So why should we care about angels? I think it's because angels help us understand how God looks at us. They help us understand how God sees us. He sends, he appoints an army of angels to look over us because of his fierce love for us. God is love. The, the Bible says that we are his masterpiece, that we are his handiwork, that we are his epic poetry, that we are his children. And he wants to dwell with us forever.
The story of the Bible isn't about how we see God. It's about how God sees us. And he sees us as his children. He he looks at us with love. He looks at you with love. He looks at you and he wants to be with you forever. And he's got a place prepared for you in heaven. We see stories all throughout the Bible about how God sees his children. Like when God looked at Peter, when Peter was in prison and he sent an angel to free him from his chains, to break his chains. And I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know if you feel like you're in a prison, chained up by your sin or or an addiction or that secret sin in your life and you need an angel to come break your chains. I want you to know that God sees you. Or when God looked at John, and sent him an angel to show him all the good things of heaven. But John started to worship the angel instead of worshiping God. He worshiped a created thing instead of the creator. Maybe you're worshiping created things that aren't worthy of worship, like money or a relationship. Or, or success, or if you're like me, you're worshiping security and comfort and you're making these good things into your God thing. And it's causing just more stress, more anxiety. It's causing more loneliness. If that's you today, I want you to know that God sees you. Or when God looked at Mary, the mother of Jesus, and sent an angel to her announcing that she will give birth to the son of God. Can you imagine that first Mother's Day? Can you imagine an angel sent by God coming and disrupting the plans for your entire life? She was engaged. She was planning out her life with Joseph and then something happens that completely disrupts her life. Something happens, but Mary didn't let the words of the angel be an interruption in her life. She let them be a disruption to her life. And maybe God is calling you in this disruption that we're in right now. Maybe he is calling you into something greater than what you already had planned. He's calling you to to put aside your will your comfort, your resources, your plans. He is calling you to step into God's story for your life. Mary had to step into something that she wasn't prepared for. And just like every mom I know in quarantine, she stepped into it and she didn't look back. I want to let all you moms know out there that God sees you. That he sees what you are doing right now. 
that he sees that you have stepped into this disruption and you have became in the, mere, in the span of mere days, your child's teacher, your child's friend, their advocate, the provider, the rock. You have become everything. You have become every member of the village. I want you to know that God sees you. I want you to know that you are giving all of us a glimpse of heaven right now. That you are giving us a glimpse of the ultimate provider, of the wonderful counselor, of the rock of ages, of the best advocate, the only one who is worthy of our praise and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. The heart of God is like the heart of a ferocious mother that will never leave you, that will never forsake you, that will never let you go, that will grab you by your arm and will pray over you until you get your blessing. All we have to do is turn to God to say yes to Him, to surrender to Him, and our God will be rejoicing in the presence of angels. You guys pray with me. Father, God, we are thankful for all of the moms out there this morning. God, we're thankful that you see us as your children. God, that you will never let us go. You will never forsake us. God, you love us so much that you came to be with us, to die in our place, to forgive us, to call us holy and righteous and blameless. God, stir in us something this morning. Reveal yourself to us more and more. And God, if we need it, disrupt our lives so that we can be centered on you. God, that we can say yes to you, that we can be with you forever. It's in Jesus' name, amen.